Well, I am so excited to share with you the passage we're going to look at today. It's a passage I started studying about six months ago, and it is incredible to see how God shows up when Jonathan faces a mountain and an enemy garrison of soldiers trying to kill him. And if you want hope and courage that God will show up as you face challenges, this is the passage for you. In fact, have you ever been close to a a sheer mountain cliff? I remember the movie, the old sci-fi, The Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And there's this mountain, true mountain called Devil's Tower. I got a chance to visit it with my father and my son many, many years ago on a motorcycle trip to Sturgis. And man, you look at that thing and you see there's a mountain climber there that day, day with all his ropes climbing it. He looked like a speck of dust alongside the mountain. In fact, one of the most famous mountains is this one, especially for climbing. It's called El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. It is 3,000 feet of the hardest, most difficult climb in the world. That 3,000 feet is taller than the tallest building in the world. No one has ever climbed this free solo with no ropes, but many have climbed it with ropes. And just to climb it with ropes, with a safety net, is considered an unbelievable accomplishment. Until many years ago, Alex Honnold decided he wanted to take on the greatest challenge in his industry. Could he climb El Capitan, free solo, just his hands and his feet, and make it all the way to the top with no ropes? He trained for over a year knowing there's some locations that you're holding on by just a fingertip, your entire body weight, as you swing from one side to the other. The path he took, 3,000 different turns. Now, to do this is considered the moon landing of rock climbing. He gets up that day at 5.32 a.m., eats his usual breakfast, blueberry, oatmeal. He calls his team, his buddies are going to film, and they're ready to go. He starts at 5.32 a.m. He will make his way up all those turns and twists with his friends videotaping from all different angles for National Geographic eventually, knowing they're either going to capture their buddy's most incredible accomplishment or his untimely death. Alex makes it to the top of the mountain in under four hours. In fact, the last little bit, after he gets past all the challenges of having no place to hold really, He actually sprints the final amount, gets to the top of the mountain, and just celebrates accomplishing what no one had ever done before. Now, you might look at that and say, what an idiot. (laughs) You might say, that guy's crazy. Or maybe you say, that's incredible courage to take on the biggest challenge in your industry, something that someone has never accomplished before. Today, Jonathan... Saul's son, David's eventual best friend, will be a free solo, no rope climber of an incredible mountaintop in his day to take on an enemy garrison of the Philistines. Here's what he says to his armor bearer. He tells him, come, let us go over to the garrison, 
Philistines, of these uncircumcised, that's because they weren't Jewish, it may be, here's what we're trusting, it may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Now listen, here's the thing about God. God can do incredible work. But what Jonathan taps into here is it doesn't require a bunch of people to take on a mountain or an army. He says, let's trust that God will work in us and work through us to take on the mountain before us. And I want you to know that God is with you as you take on the mountains before you. And as you look at developing the kind of faith and hope and courage you need to say, maybe God is working in us and through us, we're gonna ask three questions that Jonathan and the armor bearer ask. Let's look at the first one together. The first question is this, are you a a cliff climber or a tree sitter? Are, Are you sitting under the pomegranate tree being comfortable in your spiritual life? Or are you willing to climb a cliff to be part of God's very best? The passage begins this way. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now Jonathan, he is filled with courage and trust and faith that God can, will be with him to overcome. His father has lost faith in God. If you remember last chapter, he disobeyed God by offering the sacrifice. And Samuel gave him a very harsh reprimand. So he's really living in like, I'm not sure God is with me moment under this pomegranate tree. While Jonathan is saying, no, Samuel said if we trust God, if we keep obeying God, he will be with us. Here's what happens next. So Jonathan's ready to go for the cliff. But Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in migrant. Now the people who were with him were about 600 men. So imagine 600 people with the king. It's a time of war. People are being attacked. But instead of going to battle, they're sitting under that tree. You ever had pomegranate? It's kind of a weird fruit. In fact, I remember the first time I had pomegranate. It's kind of weird. You crack that thing open. There's all these little beads inside that you're popping in. They're kind of sweet, but also got a little bitter aftertaste. But imagine Saul and all his men are sitting under the pomegranate tree saying, yeah, you know what? We just had that big battle. Samuel kind of was disappointed in how we handled it. He gave us a big speech. How about we just sit here under the tree and we, we don't go to battle. We don't take on these cliffs, right? So that's where they're at. Now Samuel drops in a really weird foreshadowing moment here that seems out of place but it's going to come back to it in the end of this chapter which Drew will address next week. Look what he says. Ahihu, the son of Ahitatub, Ichabod's brother, and you may recognize some of these names. Ichabod was the glory has departed guy from chapters ago when God judged Eli's family. So Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas, the evil corrupt priest 
that was stealing from the coffers of the treasury and sleeping around with women in worship. So this is not a very promising list. The son of Eli, Eli also judged for his sin. So why does Samuel include this here except to remind us that Saul who thinks he's obeying God by sitting under the pomegranate tree is not. In fact, he will later use this ephod. Look what happens. So Ahihu, the son of all these people with a real dark past, is wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Well, what's an ephod and why does Samuel bring it up here? Well, let me show you what an ephod is. An ephod was worn by the priest. And the ephod worn by the priest had two parts. One part was this cloth garment and the other part were these stones that were on the outside. Now if we zoom in on the stones, you'll see there's 12 different stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. I carry, according to the Talmud, apparently originally it was more like a pocket. You could pick all the stones up and put them in there. And it was supposed to be used when you go into the presence of God to say, God, we are with you, we are for you, and I, the priest, am representing the 12 tribes. But as you're going to see, Saul misuses it. And again, David misuses it by the end of the book of 1 Samuel to turn it into this lucky rabbit's foot of casting lots to see if God's speaking. In fact, Saul will end up almost killing his own son at the end of 1 Samuel 14 because of using this lucky rabbit's foot approach to using the ephod. Not to go into God's presence in the temple, but to use it to kind of cast lots and figure out what to do and what not to do. It seems that Samuel includes this here to say Samuel is telling us that Saul is not pursuing God under the tree, but Jonathan is by the results we'll look at in just a moment. Now, what do I mean by those results? Well, we come back to the passage. It says, while he's sitting under the tree, Saul, Jonathan goes between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison. Now, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. So telling us exactly where he was. Now, the name of one of them was Bozes, one of the sharp rocks. They named the rocks. And the name of the other, Senna. Now, the front of one faced northward, opposite Mishmash, and the other southward, opposite Gibeah. To which you're like, what in the world? That was a lot of words. I don't know what that means. Let me show you a picture. So this is the topography of that area. The Philistines are here in Mishmash, in this section. Saul is hiding out under the pomegranate tree way over here in Geba. Now, the pass was the normal way you would get to have a battle between the two armies. However, there is another wadi or dry riverbed that takes you to the backside of Mishmash where the Philistines are, but you've got to climb up this incredible cliff. And that's the location Jonathan takes. Jonathan and his armor bearer leave Geba, unbeknownst to his dad. They go down into the wadi. They go over and they've got to free climb this cliff in order to then start battling the Philistines. So it's two parts here. He's a cliff climber and then he's going to be a garrison engager. Now what did that look like? Now, if you're Jonathan, here's the scene you have. You and one guy are wandering through this wadi. You make your way up to this cliff. 
And when you get to this cliff, you're sitting at the bottom, you got your sword on your back, and you tell your armor bearer, should we do it? Should we climb up that cliff and take on the Philistines? And he says, let's go for it. In fact, here's a picture of some actual cliff climbers in Israel climbing up a cliff like that with ropes and it looks dangerous. Now, where are you at? Are you sitting under a pomegranate tree feeling safe? Or are you challenging yourself spiritually? Are you taking on new challenges that God might ask you to trust him, to have courage, to to see that he's gonna come through in a way you never expected? Are you a tree sitter or a cliff climber? That's the second question we need to ask. The second question is this. Comes right out of the text. Are you a, a garrison climber? It's one thing to climb the mountain, but at the top of the mountain is a whole garrison, right? They're about to try and kill you. Are you a garrison climber or a bean counter? Now, there's nothing wrong with being a bean counter. Counting, good stewardship, making sure you have what it takes is very, very important. It's called good management, right? In your household, in your business. But the question is, as you're making your plans, are you also accounting for the X factor of God showing up? Because even as we strategize, there's times we say, God, I can't do this without you. But if that X factor shows up, God, you do something amazing, God, I want to trust you. That's exactly what happens here in the passage. Now, remember we got these two mountains. One faced northward opposite Mishmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Now Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised that it may be that the Lord will work for us. And I love this part of the line. For nothing restrains the Lord from delivering with many, or in this case, a few. He's asking his armor bearer, what do you think? Should we try it? We've been counted and we don't have what it takes, but what if we trusted God to be the X factor, that he's gonna show up in an incredible way? What does the armor bearer say? The armor bearer says, very well. Do all that is in your heart. Go then, and I am with you, according to your heart. Are you encouraging other people to take on challenges? I mean, right now we're surrounded with unprecedented challenges, and we need encouragement. We need people like the armor bearer in our life to say, you can do it, and God's going to show up as you do it, right? Right? Maybe you need to be the armor bearer to your spouse, to your employees, to your boss during this time. Do what's in your heart. Trust your instincts. Trust your planning. We're with you. I heard a story recently about uh, some folks at Horizon. As many of you know, we've been going down to City Gospel for almost 20 years, helping the homeless, helping those who are getting jobs and getting back into the job market. But during this last 60 days, There's a lot of people in a lot of need downtown. And those needs have not gone away just because everyone's been in quarantine. So uh, Tony and Tom, you may know them who attend our church, 
they really felt like God was calling them to be safe. That's smart. To use their gifts, but to find a safe, smart way to trust God for the X factor of stepping in and continuing to provide meals during this time. Now, while we used to go downtown, cook in the kitchen, and do face-to-face time, they felt like talking with City Gospel, could we maybe use your kitchen occasionally, or if that's not safe, prepare the meals at home? 150 meals prepared by one person or just two people to make sure that the 80 people living at City Gospel every day would have food. To make sure that the 60 additional people who come knocking at the back door could have food. And Tom was just sharing back and forth with a couple other volunteers and saying, you know what, early on in this crisis, it was like, don't go to the grocery store at all. We're high risk. And I want to do it safely, but I also felt like I've got some gifts here and there's a need here. And I'm going to courageously find a safe way to trust God to use my gifts to help provide for those in true need. That was an encouragement to me to hear what he did. And many people encouraged him. And I saw an email where he encouraged someone else to be part of this, taking on this challenge in front of him. Are you encouraging people to take on challenges? The next part of the verse here is, am I, am I humble enough to trust my heart, but also humble enough to look for confirmations? Because he does both. Then Jonathan said, very well, let's cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. And here comes the the confirmation piece. If they say thus to us, wait until we come down to you, then we stand still in our place and don't go up to them. But if they don't say we're coming down to you, they say, come up here to us. That's gonna be the sign that God is going to give give them into our hand. That's exactly what happens here. They say, come up to us. The Lord is going to deliver these into our hand. And that was the sign. So they plan on trusting God to take on this cliff and take on this garrison by trusting him. They're bold enough to trust God, but humble enough to look for confirmation that God is with them. So they decide to plan to climb this cliff and wait for God. Which brings us to our third question. What's our third question? Well, when you face a garrison of Philistines, when you're up against these challenges, are you and I going to be a hole hider? You'll see there are many capable people who are hiding in holes right now. There's a group at the tree. There's another group in the holes. Or are we going to be like that armor bearer and say, I'm willing to climb a mountain to do battle if God is with me. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. Is that crazy or what? Like they're showing them, we're down here. What happened to the sneak attack, right? But they're saying, we're going to reveal ourselves to this outpost of Philistines to see if, what are they going to say as a sign If God wants us to go up to them and he's going to win or whether or not we're going to wait here and maybe this is a sign that we need to get out of here. All right? So 
they show themselves to the garrison of Philistines. And the Philistines said, hey, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, yes. Can you imagine getting excited about that? Yes, they want us to come up there. Which means he's got to climb up that cliff with his sword. And by the time he gets to the top, he's surrounded. And he's excited about it because he knows God is with him. Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees. Look at that. Hands and knees, no ropes, with his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. Now, this is amazing. Jonathan and his armor bearer, who's carrying the shield, Maybe Jonathan, because he used his hands and knees, maybe he's climbing up and has a rope he's extending down to his armor bearer because it doesn't say how the armor bearer got up. But Jonathan takes the lead. He climbs to the top. He gets to the top. And there he's going to take on an outpost of Philistines who are guarding the back door of 20 men, surrounding him in about a half acre, we're going to discover. That first slaughter of Jonathan and his armor bearer, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men. Now notice, first slaughter was 20 men within a half an acre of land. Now there's gonna be many more slaughters to come, but they took the first step to take on the challenge, to trust God. And God had this incredible victory that's going to shake the Philistines to their core. Why? Because there was a man and an armor bearer willing to do whatever it takes to trust God, to take on the challenges of their day. It reminds me a little bit of that scene from Princess Bride. Remember when Andre the Giant is climbing everybody up uh, that sheer rock wall and they get to the top and he pulls out his sword. He's like, shall we fight now? No, rest up, rest up. Then there's this incredible battle scene, right? Then that classic moment, ah, I know something you do not know. What is that? I am not left-handed, right? It's kind of the same scene here. You have Jonathan climbs up this armor bearer, 20 guys like, all right, you ready? All right, and they blow him away. The Philistines had no idea that one man and an armor bearer could take out 20 of theirs at this little outpost. So what does it look like for you and I to do that? To say, I wanna be the one who trusts God to take on challenges. You know, I was in college, I went to a college called um, Moody Bible Institute, named after D.L. Moody, a very famous evangelist of the 1850s. He pastored and preached during a time of the Chicago fire and many other significant things in Chicago and all over the world. But here's how his story began. Much like Jonathan, he was selling shoes, boots specifically, in a little shoe shop And his Sunday school teacher decided God was prompting the Sunday school teacher to visit D.L. Moody at age eight at work selling shoes. Now he was nervous. He thought maybe it'd be inappropriate to bring up Jesus while putting on shoes. He didn't want D.L. Moody to be made fun of by his fellow customers. 
So as he was praying and asking God about this, he just felt very strongly he was supposed to go talk to D.L. Moody that day. Well, he happened to come in through the back door and D.L. Moody was there wrapping up some boots and he was all alone. And his Sunday school teacher said, I kind of fumbly did the best job I could talking about Jesus, his love, his death, his crucifixion, and his resurrection, and why he loved you, D.L. Moody. Dwight Moody said that that day changed his life. He came to accept Jesus as his forgiver and leader. He described it in an amazing way. He said, it was like I went outside and I've never loved the birds, not even really heard the birds before, and I was suddenly in love with all of creation. Everything came alive as I realized I have loved by my creator and forgiven by him. I was made alive that day. But here's the quote that got him. One of his friends said to him, later on in his Christian life, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully and wholly consecrated to him. D.L. Moody heard that quote and said he didn't say a smart man. He didn't say an experienced man. He just said a man. The world has yet to see what God will do with any man who is holy and fully consecrated to him and by God's desire, by God's will, I will be that man. That's what God wants for you and I. As we look at the garrisons in our life, as we look at the challenges in our life, say, God, I want to be that man. I don't want to be a whole hider. I want to be a garrison engager and climb that mountain and see what you might do with me during these challenges in my life. And this is where the passage gets really, really good because that X factor kicks in. Let me show you. Now the X factor here is where God shows up and it is far more than Jonathan probably ever imagined. In fact, here's our key takeaway from this passage. Follow hard after God. Follow hard after God into battle. I don't know what scheme and what mechanism and what strategy will work with your challenges, except this. Follow hard after God. It's exactly what happens here in the passage. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden, remember the whole hiders, who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, I'll tell you why they did in a second, they also followed hard after them in battle. And verse 23, when they follow hard after them in battle, verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. Are you willing to follow hard after God in the battle? You know what God wants more than anything in this season in your life? For you to follow hard after him. So let me show you what happens between they took on 20 men and everyone comes out of the hole to follow hard after God. Because this is where the X factor kicks in. When you follow hard after God, he shows up in incredible ways. Look what happens. Now, after the first slaughter of those 20 men in a half acre, 
verse 15. There was trembling in the camp, I bet there was, and in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders were trembling. And then, this isn't just like I'm trembling because of fear. The next thing happens is the earth began to quake. God sends an earthquake. So that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah, okay, now remember, Saul's way back in Gibeah. Now he's got some people looking out. He sees the Philistines scared. They're running around crazy. Feels the earthquake. The watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked. There was a multitude of Philistines. And they were melting away. And they went here and there. They just run around their head cut off. Saul said to the people who were with him, Now, call the roll. Must be some Israelite who's not here sitting under the pomegranate tree. Who is it? I want to have a talk with them. So they did the roll call. When they did the roll call, Saul said to the people who were with him, Call the roll. And they called the roll. And surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Now, Saul, for the first time in a long time, is going to seek God out. Not through the ephod yet, because that's, again, some divination, some craziness. He's going to seek him out by going to the Ark of the Covenant. Here's what happens. So, Saul's surprised that God is working. He says, bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Remember, been moved around several times? If you remember from about a month ago? Now it happened that when Saul talked to the priest, the noise which was in the camp, so I could hear all this noise, it was the Philistines continuing to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. It's not time to sit under the pomegranate tree anymore. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled. They went to battle, and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was great confusion. What does that mean? That means they got there, and the Philistines were battling themselves. God created such confusion. They were in so much fear. God was providing the victory. Jonathan stepped into the, the, the moment. God honored that with this earthquake. Saul's like, well, let's join what God's doing. And they get to see the Philistines relatively kill each other off here. It finishes this way. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, looks like many had kind of moved over to the Philistine camp, went up with them and they joined Saul and Jonathan by joining the Israelites. And then they followed hard after God in battle and the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to beth Aven. Follow hard after God in the battle. I got a chance to hear a story of a friend of mine here at Horizon recently. Uh, I interviewed him here on stage. His name is Wayne Spencer. And Wayne shared with me what it looked like for him to follow hard after God in battle. Right? Follow hard so that God can save you. Hey, so you know, during this challenging time in our history, business-wise and otherwise, I've been spending lots of time in the Bible. And God has told me I am supposed to be generous with my time and generous with my money. Like that's the lesson? Yeah. He said, I'm following hard after God by being generous. Well, tell me about that. He said, well, I'm being generous to Horizon. I I believe and support what goes on here. I love the services. I love the online reflections. And yes, I'm, I'm loving the opportunity to pray alongside with Drew and you in our prayer pathway. 
I said, well, what does it look like to be generous, though? He said, well, I'll tell you a couple things. One, there's this, this grandson I've been investing in. Not my grandson, but kind of this young kid who'd be a grandchild's age. And I've been helping him, and his grandmother can't afford to get their car fixed. I'm trying to help them get their life together. Meanwhile, another guy with a cocaine addiction I've been mentoring and investing in, who's a mechanic. These two stories came together. I was able to help pay my friend the mechanic a fair wage so that he could bless with a fair wage and a a fair repair to this other person I was investing in. He said, I was so filled up as I took this challenge of God to be generous to other people, to invest in other people, and I got more filled up than what I gave. I said, well, somebody sent me a picture recently, Wayne, of something else you did. Here's a picture I got. It's pretty amazing. So here's Wayne, his whole small group. And Wayne came up to Bob. Bob is quarantined right now in a nursing facility. He's in his 80s. And Bob had not really been a Bible-believing kind of guy, or at least wasn't serious about digging into the Bible several years ago. He did it because his wife wanted him to, and he was a good husband. But several years ago, because of the influence of, of Wayne and his group, he started to look into the Bible himself because he wanted to. And amazingly, this whole group of guys have grown spiritually at horizon by investing in each other, by loving each other, by encouraging each other. But all of a sudden, Wayne found out that his buddy was lonely, suffering from some mental issues as well, and really wanted to know how they could encourage him. So he and the whole small group said, well, does the nursing facility you're at have a window? We may not be able to see you, but could we come see you through the glass? And they said it does. It does. So here's a picture of friends at Horizon, been investing and encouraging each other spiritually, who say following hard after God is loving a friend in a fellow Bible study at our church. Even during times of quarantine, we're climbing up unique cliffs and finding unique ways to love and to bless and to encourage and to affirm one another. I hope you're doing the same. I hope there's ways in which you're going to follow hard after God. I don't know what challenges are before you. I don't know what garrisons you're up against. But I'll tell you this. We as a church are here to encourage you. Let us know. Let us know how we can pray for you, how we can listen for you, how we can be that armor bearer and say, whatever's in your heart, trust God. He's gonna come through here. And maybe your challenge is like Wayne's. Maybe God is challenging you to run hard after him by giving financially. And maybe that's to Horizon. As we continue to look at new tools to continue to provide for all of us who are are looking for courage and strength during this time, maybe God's encouraging you to write a check. Maybe it's be part of what God is doing here for the present and for the future. Maybe it's a specific person in your life. You want to invest in someone in your group. It's a phone call. It's giving of your time or energy. But follow hard after God into battle and God will deliver you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible story of what it looks like for ordinary people to chase after God you. May we be a church that chases after you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.